biggest fear was it's going to be trending all over the line that I'm an idiot and I didn't know who this man was. Welcome to Ladies First with Laura Brown. I'm Laura Brown, editor-in-chief of InStyle Magazine, and each week I'm talking to a legendary lady about what she does, how she does it, and what we can learn from her. Kiki Palmer hit the headlines a couple years ago with her sorry to this man moment, but when it comes to herself, how she's seen, and her career, she does not apologize for anything. Welcome to Ladies First, number one, in which I speak to women who uh, we think are first in what they do for myriad reasons. And then what I like to do is my arbitrary distillation where I go, I here's a quality I think about when I think of you and which I admire. And actually my beauty uh, director put it very well. She just went, she's a boss. Just a no bullshit, say it how it is, boss in an industry that spends a lot of time saying how it isn't. And that's what I want to sort of, you know, get to and, and elaborate on. And uh, were you always the fearless girl? Yes, but I think it, it's become more aware of itself in different ways. But I think in the beginning, it was just kind of who I was out of just sheer naivety. Like, I really believe the best in people. I really believe that dreams are possible. And I think that's just because my parents really raised me like that. I grew up in the church and right. they really just tried to provide me a foundation that even they didn't have, where I, I believe that, you know, I remember my mom and dad told me a story how when I was a kid, my cousin told me Santa Claus wasn't real. And I was like, Santa Claus is real. Santa Claus is real. And they said I argued with her back and forth for a good five minutes. And I was just like, OK. And then they said I went over to the corner and, and, and said to them, she just believes Santa Claus not real because he didn't come to her house. <laughs> and that's like who I've always been. It's like I've always just truly believed. And, you know, if I truly believe that's always been enough for me. I've realized that I'm naive in, in many ways, but I've kind of protected it, you know, and relied on my faith and my sheer belief in manifestation. So right. even though my understanding of it is a little bit more aware, I'm still the same and I still choose to to live in that fearless and confident space. And tell me from your first, how old exactly were you when you started acting? Nine. Nine. And when your parents obviously got you into that, was it was it something that you were like, I must do this? Or they were like, this is a good use of her energies or both? I think for them, it was like, this is a good use of her energies. And for me, it was like, I'm into this and down for this because my parents were entertainers, not, you know, Denzel Washington entertainers, but they were like, you know, in, in theater, they met in school and speech tournaments and they did uh, theater on, you know, in, in at the Black Ensemble Theater in Chicago. And so I had always heard about the arts and I was always singing in church. So when they read in the newspaper about Lion King auditions in the city, we lived in the suburbs. They asked if I wanted to, you know, try out and if I felt comfortable singing and, and trying out acting because I'd never acted before. And so they asked me if I if I felt confident enough to try acting. And I was like, yeah, why not? I mean, I heard you guys talk about it. I'm into it. And you're like, of course I could try acting because Santa comes to my house. Exactly, love. I was, And that's the thing that's so crazy. I think all kids have that quality. And that's why I feel like it's no different than when little kids start tumbling at three and four right. and five years old. They don't know they could break their neck. And so they just like, yeah, let me try it. And I, I'm really grateful that my parents, you know, that they weren't afraid, that they didn't let their, you know, fears as parents wanting to protect me, stop me from right. uh, trying to achieve such a goal. I obviously knew who you were and had you know seen you in and things movies, but what really pricked my my ears was your frankness about uh, having PCOS, uh, your your skin, your your life, and I thought, oh, you were actually 
starting to transcend the regular job, you know, of, of, of being a performer. So tell me, when did you go, like, can we just stop this crap of pretending that every gal woke up airbrushed and, uh, and lives this, like... Um, I think when I was about, like, between the ages of uh, 18 and 21... Because when I was at the ages of like 13, 14, 15, it was like, you could never see me without makeup. I was not playing around. But as I got older, it, I think I really just kind of got tired. It was it was tiring to me to keep right. on hiding my skin right. and to keep on doing that whole thing and just to keep on, you know what I mean? I didn't know anything about PCOS or any about anything about my hormones or the condition of my hormones. I couldn't deal with the burden of trying to hide it. And so it really just came from that. That's why I don't really have that many secrets. I mean, I have privacy and I have boundaries, but I don't really have secrets and stuff like that. Like, I just feel like if I love and accept myself, that's just the easiest route for life. If I, if all I got to do is love myself, be myself, be true to myself and keep it real with people, then I mean, that's, if that's the hardest thing I have to do, I'd rather do that than have to lie, cheat, steal, all to cover up all these things, you know, when it's not even a really big deal. Tell me, why do you think that's so rare, that sensibility? Oh, man. You know why? Because I think, you know, when you don't believe in yourself, when you don't accept yourself, forgive yourself, love yourself, you don't believe that you can get anywhere by being yourself. You know, you believe that right. you've got to put on a facade. You feel like you've got to do this. You've got to do that. When in reality, you're going to get where you really want to go by being yourself. And I think that we as human beings constantly do this thing to ourselves where we put on such a big mask right. that we attract all the things that we don't want. And we deter ourselves from all the things that we do want. It comes from a sense of believing that, you know, somewhere at some point in time, you felt like who you were was not good enough. Right. And, and, to, and to have the attitude you have while being as prominent, you know, there's a lot of a lot of ladies who would just get super paranoid, crumble. How did you strengthen your core? You know what I mean? Like, what were your doubts? Because, of course, you have them, to your point. So tell me about how, when you're there, tell me a bit about, as we'd say in Australia, the wobblies. I support myself by being as professional as possible. Like, you know, I feel like when it comes to hosting or whatever, there's a preparation to that. There's a preparation to what I'm going to say, when I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, how I'm going to look. So I really take a lot of effort in those pre-moments of really thinking about, you know, how to handle each thing and what to say and what to, you know, I really am present and engaged mm -hmm. so that when I get to that moment, I mean, at the end of the day, I've done everything I could. So if anything happens that's not supposed to happen, what can I do? All I can do is be me. All I can do is prepare, learn my lines on set, you know, figure out where I got to be, hit my mark, make sure that I got the right team and glam team and that I feel comfortable with what I'm looking like and what I'm wearing. And at that point, you know, there there is no more you can do. And I think we got to give ourselves like grace and, 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 and let ourselves know that there's only so much that we can do. And so once we've done that, that that there it is, you know, and so I find a lot of solace in 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 that, in knowing that I've, you know, that I've come as prepared as I can, and um, you know, the rest is up to God. What are you most confident in? But what are you least confident in professionally? Oh, professionally, um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm that 
not confident in anything professionally because I feel like I can put my mind to anything. So I feel like even if I don't know something or don't understand something, I A, would tell someone that so I would not have to have that moment of failure or I would try to work and figure mm-hmm. it out and, and work through whatever that is. But I'm a strong believer in terms of professional spaces that, you know, there's nothing that you can't learn that you can't figure out and do. I used to feel a lot of insecurities in music because music is such a personal experience and music was my first love. I think I've always right. been able to be more objective about acting and all these other things because they kind of just came to me without me knowing, you know, but right. music was something that I always at a young age, I believed in myself in. And then throughout the industry, it got very challenged with music. I had to really come to that understanding that success is what you make it and what you design it to be. Everybody is not Beyonce. And that's mm-hmm. all right. That doesn't mean that you're not amazing because if you're not Beyonce, maybe you are Nora Jones. I think, you know, all of those things coming to understanding that at the end of the day, I just have to be true to me and allow me living in that truth to be success enough. That has helped me to get through some of those wobblies, as you say. It sounds better, actually. I, you've now pronounced wobblies better than any Australian ever ever could. Wobblies is a pretty good wobblies. word. Wobblies. Um, what make What makes you nervous in in life? Being misunderstood. You know, I think because as a young at a young age and as, as like in in a child entertainer world, your emotions are always the last thing that people care about. And so I think you get really quickly into being a people pleaser and trying to be like everything that everybody wants you to be. And so I think uh, in a lot of that, you end up being misunderstood because when you're not always being agreeable, you're a brat. You know, it's always been a bit of a thing for me uh, because it's just like, you know, people have always had so many expectations of who they want me to be at a very young age and how they want me to right. act and how they want me to respond. And I think I've, I've fought a lot of that most of my adult life. And I'm I'm still new into my adult life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that's something that I work towards every day is to not worry about people not understanding me because I understand myself. Do you ever feel vulnerable on, on social uh, in that way? Or are you like, okay, I've got this, like... I do feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. Because people still ain't going to understand you. But it's not really those people's faults for not understanding you. It's your fault for caring. And I think that's the biggest thing that happens with social media that you have to really get, you know, it's hard for anybody, you know, especially when you are the kind of person that cares so much. I care about what I'm saying and what I'm doing and how I'm affecting people. I mean, Dave Chappelle talks about it a lot. He just wanted people to laugh. And then he found himself in a moment where he was then ridiculing himself and overanalyzing himself about what he was saying and how the black community was affected. And, you know, you carry all these weights on yourself when at the end of the day, you're just a human being. And I think for me, you know, when it comes to social media, it's always this push and pull of trying to be of service to others, but also trying to make sure that I'm caring about my own mental health and what I'm exposing myself to and how much I'm giving uh, myself to people. So I'm a big believer of taking breaks as well. In terms of all the characters you do, you know, I mean, I think when a lot of people were sitting like lying on their face, eating, I don't know, chips. You know, especially in these first months of of lockdown, you are flinging yourself around in all these different iterations. So tell me how that that came about, how it helped you also to through that to be able to turn into different people. Well, for me, that's always been a release. You know, as I've gotten older, I think I realized how 
much acting has truly meant to me to be able to escape all of that, all those feelings of what people think of me and who people want me to be is, you know, I feel like I feel very at peace when I go into a character and I'm able to, you know, it's it's not about me anymore. It's about this character that I've created. and, And it's a very safe space for me, honestly. What made you start Southern Bell Insults? Oh, my God. Please elaborate. (laughs) Yes, Southern Belle, you know, there's a part of my personality that can go very that. And I was working with a guy named Max, who uh, was content producing for DirecTV. And he Mm -hmm. used to always come down to the Scream Queen set to produce content, you know, with the girls. But some of the girls, most of the girls was like, I don't feel like making making this stuff with you on social media. But me, because I was always so into content, and social media, you know, producing content and coming up with cool stuff for my audience there, I was always down to do stuff with Max. And right. one day he came to me and he was like, hey, Kiki, um, you know, try this. Try these, you know, a couple of these lines. And it was the beginning of what we now know to be Lady Miss Jacqueline of Southern Bells. But originally it was just Southern Bell insults and it was just me shouting out some Southern Bell insults. And I did like a couple of words or whatever like that and we posted on the page and the kids loved it. We just started to produce and to produce and to produce all these different uh, these different things together. You know, first it was Lady Miss, then it became I Spy, then it became Chelsea Barbie Taylor, and then it became the Taylor family. And, and the detective lady is the one who was yelling at the kid. Oh my gosh, Jeanette Dedubois. She's like one of my favorites. I forget what was happening. Something had happened and I was like, I texted, oh, it was a, a shoot. I did a photo shoot where I had this hat on and this whole thing. And I sent it to Max. I said, Max, this is a character. And she's French and she's a spy. And her name is Jeanette Dedibois. And literally, we started going off. Like, it was so much fun. (laughs) And, and of course, like, one of of the, you know, the biggest memes you've ever been in was was you doing the lie detector for Vanity Fair. And Ah! so tell me about... Tell me about that setup. Tell me about first looking at pictures of this unknown man. Girl, I can't believe that people even found that out to be so funny. And obviously I was being engaged, but I wasn't like, oh my gosh, it's time time to make a joke. You know, I was just like being myself. And, you know, it was scary because honestly, I'm hooked up to a lie detectors. You know, I don't want to come off as a liar because I, I think of me to be a very honest person. So when I seen him come up, I just knew it was a trick. My biggest fear was it's going to be trending all over the line that I'm an idiot and I didn't know who this man was. You know, I was thinking that. I was thinking that, oh, shit, you know, this is going to be my idiot moment. I just apologized immediately because that's genuinely how I felt. Like, I knew that this was a man that I needed to know. And the fact that I didn't know him, I was just like, I'm going to apologize straight up front. So if y'all try to drag me, just know that I was apologetic. And, you know, that's what became of sorry to this man. You extended to Dick Cheney a courtesy that no one else has or should have had in years. So he should have written you a note. But did you, I mean, for you to apologize to him, is that your reflexive kind of like politeness, pleasery kind of like? You're 100% correct. Uh, it is my reflex to apologize. And I, I've actually had many people tell me to stop apologizing. But I think it's just, you know, it probably comes from what I was telling you about, you know, being a kid entertainer and then 
I think also as a Virgo, we, we're such perfectionists that if we don't get something right or it's not absolutely perfect or the way that we want it to be, then we immediately are like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Right. Like, I, you know, I want to do better than that. And when you saw that was starting to take on a life of its own as a meme, what did you think? It was just so shocking. I mean, the internet, isn't the internet so interesting? I'm, I can be very nerdy in that regard too. I remember my, you know I mean? Like growing up, it's not like I was necessarily crazy into computers, but I, I think I think I actually have always had an interest for the tech world. My mom, she was one of the first people in our family right. with right. a computer, with dial-up. So for me, more than anything, you know, that's what is interesting to me. You know, social media, how things move. I mourn the days of MySpace because I feel like they were the most inspired times of social media. MySpace taught us how to code. MySpace taught us how to actually really try to get to know people and to create a community. Uh, You know, it's a lot of things now are totally more monetized and more so controlled by algorithms. And I get it. It's business. And but Mm -hmm. there was a time where it was solely about connecting to people. Hang on. Did you do I said merch from I'm sorry to this man? We got some stars to this man tees and hoodies, love. Welcome back to Ladies First with me, Laura Brown. Kiki Palmer is 100% undeniably herself. You obviously did a lot of detective tests, but I want to know what has been a lie you've told in life that you've been really caught out on? Oh, I mean, I, I can't remember one specific one, but I feel like it's happened in my life, obviously. Um, I think the biggest thing that I ever could ever lie about is like being okay when I'm not. Mm-hmm. Because it's 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 a betrayal to myself more than anything. Because I'm allowing people to cross boundaries or I'm not setting the right boundaries because I'm too busy trying to make sure other people are comfortable. And so I think that's probably the biggest lie that I do tell is that I'm all right or comfortable, okay with something for someone else's benefit. And then later I'll be upset or I'll, you know, say how I really feel and that person will be shocked because that's not how I did in the beginning. So I think that's the biggest, those are the biggest times that I've messed up. Because you are so frank and you are so upfront and to be expected to always be that way must be tiring. Yeah, because if I am as objective and as frank as I want to be about some of the more serious things, people will get their feelings hurt because I can be very analytical. Again, I'm a Virgo and so my personality can be very straight to the point. I think that's why I learned so early on to maybe not say everything that I feel, but probably went too far with it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because I just felt like I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I would just disappear. You retreat. I retreat. No, I can understand that. It's funny though, isn't it? Because you want it all to be nice. It's weird how you can have the best intentions and try your hardest with things, but then make them worse than a person that's just an asshole. When did you have a moment where you woke up to things that Because you couldn't control everything and things weren't always going to be nice. I think I always realized it, but I still keep doing that. You know, I realized it in my earliest 20s because, you know, those are the hardest years. I still have to keep bumping my head, though, you know, because like you said, I think sometimes that's sometimes a part of just who people are. Mm -hmm. And I think our biggest thing that we need to realize is that we have to surround ourselves with people that want to protect that just as much as we do. 
Yeah, it is. It can leave you vulnerable, especially when you're really, really well known. Uh, tell me, is it a bit women whose careers you really admire or, or someone that you've deferred to? Because again, I, you're super independent and you've really shot off on your own and that's so much a part of your success. Who do you look to or have you looked to or who's given you a bit of a, a buck up? Oh, Queen Latifah. Since I was little, I did my first thing with her at Barbershop 2. She has always been so courteous, so kind, so loving, so genuine to me and taught me just, I feel like by being herself, how to just have so much grace and also so much power, demand so much power and respect. Mm -hmm. I, I can't even explain it because she's not one of those people that's like, let me tell you something, girl. She just is. She really is a queen. But then in terms of my life, I think my mom has been just like a huge inspiration to me. She's very strong, and she's able to stand her own, and she's not afraid of people not liking her. She doesn't care about, you know, being the bad guy. And I, and I really, you know, I think, I'm, I think I'm a perpetual hero or an underdog. And sometimes that's very tiring, you know, especially because sometimes when you're the hero or trying to be the hero or the underdog, you're seen as the villain anyway. So it's like, uh, I'd rather just be the villain than try so hard to be the hero and still be the villain, you know? It, it's a real just sock to the heart to realize that people may not like you, number one, and, and two, to be okay with it. How's that working out for you? It's <laughs> I just be with myself, girl. That's how it works out. Being alone. Honestly, being alone is something that we see is sad all the time, but sometimes it's really easier. Sometimes it's much easier because I don't have to please anybody but myself. So I find so much ease with being alone because I actually like me. That's what's so crazy is because people assume if you want to always please people or be nice, blah, 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 it's because you have an issue or esteem problem with yourself. But actually, no, it's all y'all right. crazy asses. It's y'all crazy asses not knowing what y'all want and projecting that on me that's giving me the stress. Me, on my own, in my own room, I'm happy as hell. I know exactly what I want to eat. I know exactly where I want to be. I know exactly who I want to or don't want to talk to. I mean, I'm good. I do my own nails. I hate how society makes it seem like being alone or, or, or you know, wanting to have selfish time to yourself. Um, even if you're married or with kids mm -hmm. or with anything is this bad thing. I think it actually is so necessary. I remember I seen something with... Uh, Brad Folchuk and um, Gwyneth Paltrow, I think they're married, yes. if I'm correct. And they have different houses. It's a brilliant idea. It's a brilliant idea if you can afford something like that. Because it's good to be alone. Sometimes that's the only way you're good for anything and anyone. Is to, is to just go back and sort of restore yourself. And if you can do your own nails, you don't need to see anyone ever again, dude. Look at these nails that I did on my own, girl. Can you believe? I can. Ah! Because you are a woman of many gifts, Palmer. Okay, I want to know, what are you ambitious for? Oh, I'm most ambitious to be able to build something outside of myself that can just live on. I've been doing this for so many years. And as much as I love it, and I, and I always, every now and then, if something speaks to me, I'll get in front of the camera. But I don't want that for the rest of my life. You know, I don't. I want to be able to give to others. I would love to be able to pour into other children, pour into other creatives right. and create platforms and opportunities for other people. I mean, what Tyler Perry, things like what Tyler Perry has done, what Oprah Winfrey has mm -hmm. done, what Walt Disney did for his 
family and his kids and his legacy. And I mean, we know yeah. Disney as this huge, large conglomerate, but it was a one dude that drew a, a damn Mickey Mouse. I want to be able to 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 leave things like that behind. It don't. It ain't like in the same sentiment of it needs to be my name or I want the name and the legacy of that. I just want to have something that's outside of me that, you know, can breathe life into other people and other things. I think that's ultimately what I'm most ambitious for. How do you, how have you started 2021 and how would you like to end it? I started 2021 happy, excited, and kind of like a, a deep desire and fire burning you know, it's like a fire that's burning within me. And how I want to end it is for that fire to be totally chiseled down and to be totally at peace and to be totally, like, away from it all, if that makes sense. I want to feel extreme calmness. Yeah, and especially because you do, you exist in so many different spheres, creative spheres, and so I can imagine that sometimes you feel like a pinball just being knocked around the... A pendulum. A pendulum. And then enjoying that for what it gives you, but on the same token, it's... Wanting to be it, something it, else. And when you have the kind of personality that I have, sometimes people don't want you to be anything else because they get so addicted to that. You know, they get addicted yeah. to your laughter, your smile, your energy. And, you know, sometimes that is a bit much. That's for anybody, I think, that has a very high energetic personality. It's like mm-hmm. people sometimes have no patience or understanding for when you're all out. There's polarity. I mean, as as happy as somebody could be, it's just as down as somebody could be. I think people got to really understand that everything is not linear like that. I expect there's a bunch of, there's probably a lot of young ladies get in touch with you. How do you interact with those, with those gals and what would you like them to know? I respond as much as I can. I would like them to know that, you know, that they come first. And everything. And, you know, everything that they want, that they want, they're only going to get by loving themselves and by pouring into themselves and by being their best friend and putting their needs first. I'm really learning this for myself. And I really just want that for everyone. I want everyone to have that because it saves us a lot of heartache and a lot of troubles and a lot of drama if we just put our feelings first. And isn't it nice to be a bit like a kid yourself? To have that guilelessness, openness, naivety, it's sort of a relief in a way. You don't think about it when you're trying desperately to be a grown-up. But when you're a grown-up, to have a bit of an essence of a kid about you, which you do, which oh, is, you. this could all be nice. Why can't we get along? Can't we have fun? When did you when did you learn to embrace that, that kid part of yourself? I always have. Yeah. I don't know why that is either. My mom, we sometimes talk about it and she feels like maybe it's just because I started following my dreams so young mm-hmm. and that, you know, they materialized, that it allowed me to really stay in that belief system. Right. But it didn't happen in my personal life. So it's like, you know, I have both. I have the dichotomy of this Dorothy story, this Wizard of Oz story. I followed the yellow brick road with my Mm -hmm. family to uh, California for my dreams to come true. And my dreams came true, but my family dynamic shifted. And that changed a lot of the way that I interacted in my household. And then it became hard for me to understand how to have friends. And then I tried to always people please because I wanted people to be able to understand me. I still never gave up on myself, you know? 
Okay, we're going to uh, roll it up with something called 10 Firsts, and it's just 10 cheeky little questions about cheeky little things that you can give your cheeky little answer to. So first question, first drink you order? Water. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Like back in the day, it would be like a uh, tequila tonic. Right. But now it's a delicious hydrating water. Boom. First thing you look at on your phone in the morning? My messages. If I got any messages or emails. Are you good at getting back to people? You're, you're pretty quick, right? I think I'm too quick. What's your worst habit on your phone? Looking at it all the time. Look, I mean, just touching it. <laughs> Throw it into the sea. Okay. First person you call? Uh, most likely my mom. How often do you talk to your mom? Every day. She's still in Chicago? No, where is she? She's in LA. Where, where is she? She's in Chicago. I talk to her every where is day. She? Have you talked to her today? I'm talking to her now. Are you texting her right now? What's she saying? I was just texting her back. I have a meeting, a pre-meeting for something, and I'm like, what time is it? And so she's telling me. So we also, sometimes we talk about work stuff, and sometimes we talk about personal stuff. Like, earlier I called her, and we we're talking about personal stuff, but then now we're talking about work. Oh, yeah, because she, she, does she manage you? Or... Well, she's more my producing partner now right. as opposed right. to my manager. But, um, you know, she she's, you know, the reason why I am where I am. Okay. First joke you remember. Knock, knock. Go on. You got to say who's there. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's there? Knock, knock. Who's there? Banana. Banana who? Knock, knock. Who's <laughs> No, come on. This is the last one. Knock, knock. Oh, sorry. Who's there? Orange, you glad I didn't say banana? <laughs> Orange, you glad is one of my favorite things ever. Orange, you glad. Somebody had to tell me that when I was like two years old. It's the ones you know when you're like two or five that you forever, forever. Because that really cracked you up. Like it really <laughs> made you laugh. It's the rest. Okay, first and most recent fashion splurge. First and most recent fashion splurge. Um, probably that bag up there, that this bag here. The Birkin? Oh, the, yeah, the Gucci? Yeah, that one. But that's like my most recent. First time you owned your shit? Every day of my life. <laughs> first date? First real date, I was 16 at, at the Cheesecake Factory. So last week. Okay, first ah! thing you took... First thing you turn on TV? Huh, first thing I turn on TV? I got a few shows that I love. Um, but I guess the first thing you say I turn on, it would be either Netflix or Hulu. First thing you do or eat if you're stressed out? Something like a plantain chip. Something salty. Just sit there watching Hulu with plantain chip. Okay, two left. First car you bought? Ford Escape. Did you like escaping in the Escape? I love that Ford Escape hybrid. I felt very, like, eco-friendly. See, you are. Kiki Palmer, you're first lady, ladies first. You're the best. Keep on being frank and friendly and freaking funny, but also, yeah, take time for yourself because it's the only way to be able to do any of it. And first thing you'll do when this goddamn pandemic is over. Travel everywhere. I mean, that's the thing that we all want to do. Travel, travel, travel to the wheels fall off. This has been Ladies First with Laura Brown. We can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Savaris, Danielle Roth, Anne Ford, Anne Kane, and Erica Wong. And thanks to Brian Anstey, Molly Stout, and Haley Mason at InStyle. 
You can find out more at InStyle.com. Find us on Instagram at InStyle Magazine, on Twitter at InStyle, and you can find me on Insta and Twitter at LauraBrown99. 